This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I still remember that the pediatrician just write, because it's so mouthful to pronounce it. Uh, she just wrote me, they wrote fibromatosis type 1. So I always have that piece of paper with me whenever uh, we have a lot of tests prior to the MRI. Welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. This is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Rare diseases are called that for a reason. A disease is usually considered rare when fewer than 1 in 2,000 individuals are affected. But when someone is diagnosed with a rare disease, usually in childhood, the impact is significant, not just on the child, but on the parents and the family as well. In this episode, in conjunction with Rare Disease Day, you'll be hearing from Dr. Nurul Izzati Hassan, whose second-born, Abirjana, was diagnosed with a rare disease, neurofibromatosis type 1. Um, my name is Nurul Izzati Hassan. I'm 40 years old. Currently, I serve as Associate Professor of Organic Chemistry at the Faculty of Science and Technology in UKM. I have, my darling daughter is named Abirjana. Uh, she is going to be three this uh, first March. So she was diagnosed with neurofibromatosis type 1. Most of uh, the cases with this NF1 is due to genetic condition. But in her case, uh, it's because of spontaneous mutation. So we don't, uh, she didn't inherit it from, from us. Izati was pregnant with Abir in 2021, at a time when COVID-19 cases were spiking. But she had a smooth pregnancy and neither her nor her doctors had suspected anything was amiss up until the moment Abir was born. She was born term at 39 weeks. Uh, I didn't have any medical condition during my pregnancy. So when we did the 4D scan at 26 weeks, I think the sonographer just mentioned that her head is slightly bigger but still in the acceptable range. So there's nothing to be worried about. But because the re-emergence of COVID in early 2021, um, I decided to give birth at private hospital in Bangi because it's nearer to my place. So during the checkup, um, in the OB-GYN assured me there's nothing wrong with her, although she also suspected that her head is slightly bigger. Okay, so during uh, during the delivery, it's a vacuum-assisted delivery because of the uh, her, her heartbeat is getting slower. I think it's, it's quite a smooth uh, delivery, but then... She immediately called a pediatrician to look at the baby because her right eye was swollen. So um, at that particular moment, I was so stunned to see her face. I mean, her eye was swollen and the pediatrician came in and she suspected a retinoblastoma and eye cancer and started start asking me whether my family has a history uh, of cancer. Uh, on the second day, the pit then explained to me the possibility of her to being diagnosed with this NF1 uh, because uh, the presence of a light brown spot uh, throughout her body is very, uh, it's like the clinical tra- trait symptom in person uh, diagnosing with NF1. So uh, I didn't, I think during uh, the night diagnosis, it, it, it's so fast. <laughs> I mean, maybe because the pediatrician are well-known with this rare disease, even though it's a rare disease, and she knows very well this condition. So I didn't cry until day five <laughs> because uh, uh, when she suspected uh, an eye cancer, they transferred me immediately to HKL. 
Okay, uh, during uh, the, the HKL, within two weeks, the MRI confirmed uh, the presence of the tumor in her head, uh, which is secondary to her eye, swollen due to the congenital glaucoma. With uh, this NF uh, condition, we, we cannot control the tumor to grow inside the body because it's a tumor that grows along the nerve sheet. So in Abu's case, uh, she has this tumor in her brain, her right eye and spine. So his her face is is really is is very apparently disfigured due to this extensive tumor from her brain, to eye, ear, and even her palate is also disoriented. So it's very clear that her face is disfigured. Um, and if I have to tell a person about NF one, uh, I don't know maybe because the the trait or the symptoms is very, uh, is very unique to other person to, to each person. So, different person may have different uh, appearance. But for Abir, is is just uh, the face is so disfigured. So, what was running through your head at the time? I think shame at that time because looking at her face, mm. and everyone, I mean, the nurse was was looking at her with her swollen eye was running and said to me, oh. Uh, baru day tiga dah kena guna ubat glaucoma. What happened to her? And then they, they tried to uh, what did you do during your pregnancy? I was like, there's nothing I did. Uh, and over, even though I was, I mean, it's a late pregnancy at 36 years old at that time. Most of the time, was like, I, I said to myself, I got the, uh, why this could happen to me? I don't, because I tak tahu langsung during the pregnancy of the OBGYN six everything okay, everything. And then, I was given a diagnosis, like a life sentence diagnosis with NF1. And during the day, I just, um, I feel, I, Masham, I feel my my boy, uh, her eldest brother, sebab dia dah lama tunggu to have this, uh, to have a sibling. So, Masham malu nak bawa balik adiknya, nak tunjuk kat abang dia. Masham tu lah. Masham malu. I was thinking like, malunya and then, sedih and then um, kenapa jadi kat my daughter like that and then because uh, if you go through the uh, Google image mm -hmm. NF1 usually have a very disfigured face and they have a lot of uh, tumours uh, dekat uh, the, the whole body so macam tak cantik lah huh? so macam malunya nak bawa balik adik dia jumpa abang dia and at that time uh, I was kept in the hospital for more than seven days before I was uh, I, I went back and then coming back for MRI. And then masa I balik at seven days tu, uh, abang dia tengok, masa tu abang dia uh, seven years old, dia kata, okay je Umi, uh, just mata dia je bengkak. What's wrong? Kenapa you have to stay so long in the hospital? So I rasa macam emotion tu membuatkan uh, I tak nangis. <laughs> I mean, only nangis at, at day five lah. Macam fikir macam mana I nak bawa balik adik dia ni malu dengan hmm. semua benda lah. Caring for a child with a rare disease takes up a lot more time and resources than most of us can even begin to imagine. With her husband having just started a new job, it largely fell on Izati to take Abir to all her medical appointments. While Izati's career as an academic lent her some flexibility, Abir's medical needs in that first year felt almost endless. Because an academic, kita uh, ada flexible time, okay? Mm. Uh, and sebagai pegawai kerajaan tu dia ada satu clause uh, and thank you to the government of Malaysia uh, once we kita register Abir as an OKU so kita ada dalam sistem uh, this pegawai is, has an OKU uh, child so dia ada masa yang 
diberikan untuk dia menguruskan kepacikan anak dia. So I always have this. Uh, whenever I want to, to go out for her appointment, I'll just let my head of the department uh, informed. And I will, I, we were given a sleep time uh, from the the hospital. So I just give it to my boss. But of course, uh, Abir bukan ada satu je appointment in a week, like maybe three appointment and a lot of therapies like occupational therapy, speech therapies and also physiotherapy. So at the first year, I sahaja yang uruskan and it becomes so uh, overwhelming with the <laughs> with the schedule. And at that time, my husband dapat the second kerja. So memang langsung dia tak boleh bantulah at all. So I was alone there, <laughs> menguruskan semua uh, schedule dia because uh, we were informed that the, uh, HKL has the best uh, pediatrician ophthalmology. So we kept the appointment in HKL. We also see a geneticist in PPUM and the rest is in UKM. So we have three different locations. So sometimes um, I have really to fit. Uh, tapi diorang dah tahu my condition. So dia akan fitkan in a day, I will have two team to see me in the morning and in the afternoon macam tu mm. tapi still oh, penat sangat-sangat I say to my friend uh, kalau I drive to HUKM we, uh, uh, you you blind uh, letak folded my eye pun I memang boleh sampai to HUKM <laughs> to I know where to go tutup mata pun boleh sampai selalu sangat pergi kan at 7 months old dia tak boleh lifted dia punya head lagi lah sebab kepala dia agak besar slightly bigger tapi dia tak adalah hydrocephalus So I pun cakap dekat uh, doktor tu what apa lagi yang I boleh buat takkan nak tunggu ni seizure saja kan sebab dia just tunggu saja macam uh, apa lagi simptom yang seterusnya akan datang they were treated as such lah. So dia pun kata okay maybe you have to start with therapy physiotherapy. So kita pergi start with physiotherapy at seven months old. So physiotherapy tu uh, at least once a week. So lepas uh, daripada physiotherapy ni oh kita tahu dia ada masalah sensory because uh, palate dia ke bawah sikit so dia tak suka makan uh, She can swallow tapi dia ada masalah coordination kat mulut dia. So kena bagi sensory kat dia. And then speech therapy, takut dia tak boleh bercakap. So kita pergilah satu pada satu pada satu. Meaning that daripada satu therapy, dia akan uh, propose to us another therapy and another therapy. But uh, sekarang ni dah pandai kan kita cakap, okay, apa yang dia lack of. Kita rasa physiotherapy is doing well. So maybe we could uh, get more OT, occupational mm. therapy. Occupational therapy tu macam a, a bit daunting jugalah sebab we have to be there. Then, sebab physiotherapy, usually we we tinggal saja habis kat sana sebab the therapist would like to work with her alone. Sebab kalau dia nampak air lah, dia kecil kan, dia akan nangis and everything. Kalau OT tu, we have to be there one hour kan. So selalu kalau therapy, physiotherapy, I I send her, I do my I do my work lah. Oh, boleh lah one hour, minum kopi, whatever kan. Tapi kalau OT tak boleh ada kat situ saja. Speech band therapy pun tak boleh. Ha, itulah ada benda-benda macam tu. Lepas tu, dia ada, of course lah, dia ada majornya uh, surgery, uh, neuromedical, dietitian. Apa lagi ya? <laughs> Orthopedic spine, uh, uh, I pun dah lupa lah tu ni. A geneticist hmm. of that, uh, about nine lah, nine, nine, nine uh, appointment in a month. Tapi dululah in, in the first year lah. After uh, dah sekarang nak masuk dua tahun lebih tu, uh, kita dah tahu surgery is not, it's not possible. I would say like something like that. So kita jumpa every four months and neuromedical pun every four months sebab dia, dia tak develop any more seizure. So tak perlu tukar ubat dan sebagainya. Just dietitian tu sahajalah sebab dia tak put on weight kan. Mm. But last year in May kita dah pasang pack tube dekat perut dia to help her 
increase her weight sebab kita takut kalau dia develop a seizure or maybe she needs to undergo an operation her weight will not allow her to be on the operating theatre lah sebab 7 kilos kan no surgeon will do an operation to her so we're trying to get her normal op- uh, weight so that if anything happen emergency she still she is i mean she can get an access for operation tu sajalah to get put on her weight uh, and masalah sekarang and then all the therapies Childhood developmental milestones help parents know what to expect from their child as they grow and develop from month to month, from year to year. But when your child has a rare disease, all those milestones pretty much go out the window. Paling susah sebab kita tak tahu milestone dia langsung kan. Uh, different milestone. Uh, I pun I pun tak nak put any expectation kepada Abir uh, sebab kalau kalau kita ada typical child kita tahu oh, by this time dia sepatutnya buat ni sepatutnya dia buat macam ni so I rasa macam tak adil lah untuk I berikan the same expectation to Abir bila jumpa doktor oh uh, walaupun dia dah umur katakanlah setahun 6 bulan tetapi dia macam 8 bulan so I macam oh what should we do kita tak tahu nak buat apa kan sebab we don't want to put any expectation to her macam tak adil macam tu kan I mean nak suruh apa ikan uh, terbang macam tu kan for me lah kan so macam tak apalah tak boleh dan tak boleh lah <laughs> macam tu saja lah for me walaupun guideline development tu ada and I know mean dia sebagai reference kepada I tapi I kata tak apa it's okay just give her time mm-hmm. to drive in her own pace uh, dan biar saja macam tu lah to me lebih lebih tenang macam tu I'm so happy that I didn't put an expression to her sebab I nampak juga I ada uh, ada mothers dia macam oh anak dia kena jalan I macam apalah tak ada jalan pun tak apa uh. so bila I nampak stress of that mother yang macam rasa oh memang anak dia kena jalan by this time by this time whatever accessory yang dia kena ada he, they will buy it kan uh, I tak ada I tak ada kalau the physiotherapist kata uh, tak perlu pakai walker I kata okay tak payah pakai walker tapi bila kita biar sahaja dia thrive on her own pace, tiba-tiba dia boleh bercakap. Kalau tiba-tiba she she can speak. I was like, wow, she can speak. I think itu yang the small joy. I rasa macam, wow, bagus tidak ada expectation. Sebab you tak expect she can speak. And then dia punya scoliosis is very severe. The tumor is like from T6 to T11. Dan uh, tiba-tiba dia boleh berjalan walaupun uh, yelah at the degree of 98 degree uh, backbone dia dia masih boleh berjalan with a walker. So I kata okay lah. I rasa macam I'm very hopeful for her. As, and then even the neurosurgeon pun cakap um, she she can. She was like uh, apa berlari untuk mengejar dia punya development uh, stage dia kan. Uh, so sekarang ni dia dah 2 tahun 10 bulan. Tetapi milestone yang dia dah berjaya achieve at two years and five months. So macam delay five months saja. So I kata okay, I, I kata okay, whatever saja yang dia boleh buat. Sebab it's so stressful, you know, to, to me at work you ada KPI. At home you ada KPI with your daughter. Tak boleh lah, rasa macam it doesn't work kan. Tak boleh, tak boleh force somebody lah lah. Macam dia untuk berlari, ber, berjalan, whatever yang dia boleh buat. That's it. I'm so hopeful lah. And then uh, sebab... Uh, baru ni juga kita uh, government of Malaysia dah dah approve one medication ni medication tu bukan untuk cure lah tetapi more to intervene uh, the tumor from growing uh, even uh, masa saya tahu tu masa abah two years old and the medication memang mahal lah thirty eight thousand a month uh, so of course I tak I cannot afford it and then and then masa tu tak masuk Malaysia lagi and then I think end of last year dah masuk Malaysia and and the university wanted to uh, to sponsor the medication for Abir because uh, there's nothing much they can do 
So I'm very hopeful the medication can actually, I'm, I'm, I know that it will not cure her, but at least um, lessen the growth of the tumour, kan? So at least she can enjoy her life now. Itu saja. Ah, macam easy free, whatever kan? Ah, macam tu lah. Apa yang dia boleh kita support saja dia. After the break, Izati shares what was the straw that broke the camel's back and made her put her own mental health first. This is because feelings matter. A series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. So memang kena beritahu what you need. Tapi I pun tipulah kalau I cakap semua benda I cerita kat orang tipu. Sebab ada benda tu kita rasa macam kita sometimes rasa worthless pun. Ada macam Alamak, kenapalah benda ni pun tak boleh buat kan. Lah. Tapi ada benda yang kita rasa I think lah ada benda kita kena beritahu kat orang. Sebab kita tak boleh expect people to know and understand what we are enduring. You tak boleh. You tak, it's, it's adil pada orang tu untuk memahami you sedangkan you tak beritahu your condition. Welcome back to Health and Living. I'm Lim Suan and this is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. Rare Disease Day is observed on the last day of February every year. That's 29th February this year, the rarest day of the year. In today's show, we're highlighting the significant impact that a rare disease diagnosis has on the parent's mental health in coming to terms with what a debilitating disease does to the child's quality of life and the lifelong journey of heartbreak and personal sacrifices. For Dr. Nuro Izati Hassan, even after her daughter Abir's diagnosis of neurofibromatosis type 1, she was adamant that she find a way to balance her career and her daughter's needs. However, that came at a cost her mental health. I always try to get my things done uh, secara professional, kan? Mm. Uh, so, as an academic and from a research university, kita kena publish in certain amount of journals, eh? Uh, so, certain amount of journals, maksudnya, we have to super, supervise a postgraduate level student and we have PhD, I have PhD student, master level student and undergraduate student to make sure that we meet the KPI. Eh? So, bila macam tu, I just like lost uh, their progress. So, macam try to mix uh, try to put their schedule with my daughter's schedule sangat susah lah because we have a research progress meeting let's say like once a month so lepas ada abir maybe tiga bulan sekali saja. so then I realised I tak boleh kerja uh, eight to five like a normal person kan sebab maybe sometimes I started the appointment like nine o'clock in the morning and sometimes I, I I been relieved from the hospital pun mungkin tiga petang. So at four, kita dah penat kan. I'm going back and, and ambil anak-anak tu. So I just work all the time. Macam tu, kerja saja. Every time I ada masa, I just be on my laptop. So lama-lama benda tu rasa macam too much on my plate lah. Too much to handle on my plate. Lah. Terlampau banyak sangat kerja. Macam I, I was like at that time, patutkan I berhenti. <laughs> kan lah, jadi akademik sebab too much, too much. Uh, tak boleh terima. And then, of course, I kasihan all the postgraduate level student uh, tak dapat all the supervision that they needed. Tapi, uh, but I always, I was always say to them, you can actually reach to me anytime, 24 hours. Tapi masa tu, I tak perasan sebenarnya tu tidak memberi langsung ruang kepada I untuk bernafas. Uh, so, after a year, baru I rasa macam, okay, <laughs> tak boleh buat benda ni. I couldn't. I tak boleh. Uh, I kena stop <laughs> bertenang. And then, um, 
terima yang I am no longer a typical mother. Hmm. Masa tu lah I cakap masa Then I become so irritable I I I, I lost my patience Macam salah sikit marah Salah sikit marah Kita rasa macam marah Kenapa tak achieve by this Tak marah achieve by this Kita dah tak rasa benda tu Should it's, it's, uh, Research is a It's a long journey kan Kita rasa tak boleh You have to to get it done by this Because I I have another things To to get done by whatever time So kan uh, Itulah I rasa macam Oh tak boleh tak boleh <laughs> Kena bertenang <laughs> uh, Masa tu juga I perasan uh, Sebab Sebab uh, My my time is always with the students mm-hmm. and Abir. So I I rasa I macam society isolate. I sebenarnya I isolate myself lah kan. So I have no longer uh, lunch with my friends kan. Sebab lunch is always in the hospital. Kan? Mm-hmm. Walaupun I introvert tapi I have like like five to seven uh, good friends. Uh, yeah, I, I have and most of them are medical. <laughs> medical punya friend lah. So macam... Always talking about Abir saja. So, rasa macam stressnya kan. Macam tak, tak payahlah cakap lagi pasal Abir. With the journals, they were always presenting me or the journals with NF1 punya apa progress. So, tapi lama-lama isolate myself and then bila I jadi less patient, I I isolate myself and I think I become a bit depressed. Dia macam so much stress and then tapi masa tu, masa stress tu, I macam realise oh, this is stress. Sebab I... I think I think I know that it's stress but it motivated me to do work. But after a while, I tak nak buat kerja langsung. I, I become depressed and I boleh rasa diri I berada dalam gaung. I tak tahu, I always imagine myself to be in gaung dekat hujung-hujung dah. And then I think my friend perasan uh, that I was like turning down a lot of uh, lunch invitation with them. So ada satu tu, dia kata, eh, come lah join us. Ada seorang senior um, uh, science officer nak retire. Come and join us tau. Mesti datang ni cakap macam tu. I was like, oh dah lama tak jumpa dia orang like for six months kan last jumpa. So I pergi juga. I cakap okay, cakap mencabar diri pergi and then I, I sat at the car park tu about thirty minutes. Eh. Should I go? Should I go? I rasa macam, eh what happened to me? I tak macam ni kan. I tak nak jumpa orang. Masa tu I realise, eh, eh tak tak betul ni. It's not me. Uh, sebab I macam fikir, patutkah I keluar pada kereta ni? Patutkah I keluar pada kereta ni? Uh, macam tak bersedia untuk jumpa orang. Tapi it's good that my friend tahu my condition. Dia kata dia memberi masa lah. Tapi dia rasa macam lama sangat tak tak berjumpa. So masa tu I rasa I depressed. And then I beritahu my friend. I think I'm depressed masa tu. I beritahu sebab uh, my friend tu dia ada uh, anak, daughter yang ada depression. So I was uh, seeking help for her to 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 let me know the information where I should go lah untuk dapatkan uh, therapy from the psychiatric. Eventually, Izzati found help through the Malaysia Rare Disorders Society, a support group for individuals with rare diseases and their families. Suddenly, because I was involved with Malaysian Rare Disorders Society, MRDS, they were looking for five to six mothers with rare disease uh, children. So I, I kata, oh, this is the best platform sebab semua orang ada the same background macam I. Mm-hmm. So, they cari orang yang, uh, mak yang ada anak rare disease untuk ber, uh, buat Mindful Compassionate Therapy. Uh, ni psychiatric lah yang buat tapi in-house sahaja. Maksudnya dia tak ambil ramai-ramai and then kita ada uh, Mindful Compassionate Therapy for 12 session. And then uh, memang uh, first uh, 12 session tu, first uh, I think first to four tu I tak nangis lah. I think macam I always, mungkin ke, mungkin sebab kawan-kawan selalu cakap I'm strong that's why uh, selalu orang cakap macam tu kan uh, sebab you tahu, you kuat sebab tu lah Tuhan beri you Uh, benda ni kan so, sebenarnya pada pada I tak boleh cakap macam tu sebab dia macam minimize uh, bukan minimize macam tak validate 
uh, the emotion yang kita ada sebab kita tak strong you, macam bila cakap strong tu macam tak apa tak apa you can handle this no oh, tak boleh ah masa tu I macam oh I tak boleh lah bercakap dengan typical mother <laughs> so I macam okay I'm not a typical mother anymore I need to see other mother yang have same condition macam I sebab tu I take up therapy and the first four months tu macam kita, I pun baru realise sebenarnya I masih in denial Uh, I think I can find all the solution for Abir. Sebenarnya tidak ada solution dan saya, dan hanya yang ada hanyalah berserah. Ah uh, macam tu. Ah uh, masa tu I baru perasan uh, sebenarnya tak ada apa-apa. There's nothing much we can do for her because it's a rare disease. At that time lah kan. Uh, memang there's no medication pun masa tu. Uh, the first four session dalam therapy tu uh, stress us macam cakap mothers do not blame yourself. Dan huh. semua mothers, seven-seven mothers tu blame themselves. Then uh, ada seorang mothers tu, uh, memang dah ada tiga orang typical child. Dan dia macam the fourth child. Dia pun macam, oh, I tak patut dah mengandung dah. Sepatutnya macam tu dia macam marah diri sendiri. Dia ada two tu macam most of them ialah first child lagi lah traumatic experience from them. So I rasa bila cakap dengan dia orang macam, oh memang we share the same feeling. Feeling yang rasa macam kita bersalah. Kita yang menyebabkan ini berlaku kepada anak kita. So the psychiatric was helping us to not blame ourselves. But there's nothing much we can do. Kan? Bukan salah kita. Now, Izati never put much thought into the fact that she needed therapy. So it came as quite a surprise to her when she saw firsthand the stigma that still comes with seeking mental health help. Tiba-tiba ada the sustenance the office <laughs> that ada somebody jumpa psychiatric. <laughs> Masa saya oh, is it a big deal? Saya macam... Big deal ke kan? I macam terkejut kan? Uh, sebab the dean, the dean macam rasa siapa yang uh, was seeking a treatment, uh, psychiatric treatment kan? Sebab dia dapat notice macam tu. I'm not sure how how he get the information kan? Sebab dia takut adakah I I jumpa psychiatric because of a lot of stress uh, as a, as an academic kan? Tapi I macam cakap, oh no, I I went for a psychiatric treatment because of I have a problem. Untuk, untuk diri sendiri tak ada kena mengenai dengan kerja. Tapi... Masa tu macam, oh, this is the so macam, oh, ada orang jumpa psychiatric. Uh, macam, salah ke? <laughs> macam tu. I macam agak terkejut lah mm. bila orang beritahu macam tu. So, I think the stigma is that, oh, what happened to her? She no longer strong. She no longer, you know, capable to cope. Tak, tak ada coping strategy dah ke? Uh, macam tu. I rasa macam stigma tu macam tu lah. Tapi bila I become so open that I said to my friend, I think I'm depressed. Uh, bila I berjaya cakap macam tu, Uh, semua orang uh, macam terima dan macam okay, uh, betul lah Izzati ni stress walaupun I get my KPI dan I get my job dan mm. uh, tapi I tak boleh. I dah macam I have to admit I'm so stressed, I'm so depressed. I perlukan masa dan I I turn down a lot of uh, promotion lah. Masa tu ialah uh, nak jadi nak jadi ketua of what kata I couldn't, I tak boleh. I, I, I just reply to the uh, chancellor that I, I cannot accept this job sebab Uh, tak boleh. You nak bagi berapa pun tambahan, I tak boleh. I macam, no, I cannot. I dah tahu my condition, I cannot. Uh, tapi masa tu I rasa macam, biarlah diorang tahu pun. Uh, tapi I'm happy that from the therapy, from the 12 session therapy tu, I regain back myself lah, my confidence again. But that's not the only thing that people have had to say to Izati, which she felt was better off unsaid. While people do mean well, Izati says it might be better to not say anything at all when I asked her what people shouldn't bring up. <laughs> we are so special that we can handle everything. Kalau orang Melayu dia selalu kata anak syurga kan, memanglah kan. Uh, anaknya syurga tapi maknya tak semestinya syurga lagi. <laughs> 
Mak dia masih monstrous kan. Uh, selalu orang merasa kita yang ada anak istimewa ni kita macam ada extra feeling, hmm. extra kekuatan, extra semualah. Uh, sebenarnya, sebenarnya kita tak ada semua tu. Dan kita adapt to be one. Uh, dan tak ada, kita tak ada. Sebenarnya yang ini tipikal mother tu kena ada Yalah, just listen to us. Uh, dengar je, tak perlu macam cakap, oh you're strong. I know you are strong. Yeah, I know you are tough. You know. Macam tu lah. Semua-semua tu macam, rasa macam geramnya. <laughs> not tough. Kan, I'm not, I, I'm like you. I'm like you. I'm, I'm like everyone, kan. Agak rasa macam, bukan lah. Tapi I, I faham, I mean, selalunya orang cakap macam tu, just to reassure you that, you know, you can handle this. Uh, sepatutnya pada I lah kan, mm. kalau I jumpa man, ma- mana-mana rather sebab I dah berada dalam situasi macam ni, I would just say that, uh, I will, oh, kalau I ada masa, I will say to to that mother, go anywhere you want, I will take, uh, but look after your child. I think that's what mothers need. Sebenarnya, sebenarnya. <laughs> sebab dia perlu berehat. Dia macam so penat. Banyak sangat fatigue emotionally, physically. Uh, I rasa, Uh, macam tu lah kalau macam I, bukanlah kita minta tolong kepada orang lain tetapi mm-hmm. itu yang sebenarnya mothers perlukan uh, sebab dia perlu pause dia perlu pause kejap daripada kehidupan dia uh, so itulah I rasa yang macam semua mothers with rare disease ni perlu When a child has a rare disease it's not unexpected or surprising that much of the parents attention and resources would be directed at that child In many cases, it can be easy for the other children in the family to feel overlooked and in Izati's case, she wanted to make sure that her son still felt loved and cared for. I selalu akan pastikan whatever yang dia dapat sebelum ada api, dia akan still dapat. Contohnya, sebelum ni, I will always uh, apa, teman dia pergi swimming. I, sampai lepas habis ada pun, I'm the one that bring her to the swim class. Uh, dia tidak ada perubahan. Lah. That's what I'm trying to do. lah. Soalnya, apa yang dia pernah kecapi momen bersama ai yeah, yang the, the normal routine I'm, i'm i'm the one yang hantar dia pergi sekolah i masih hantar dia sampai sekarang so abil bapak dia hantar sebab that's the time that i try to create for my elder son sebab i pun rasa dia macam rasa yelah a lot of attention is towards abil lah kan so i pun rasa sometimes tapi i pun cuba encourage dia untuk dia meluahkan perasaan dia kalau dia rasa macam hey, everyone like Asyik Abir je, Asyik Abir je, ha, dia dah dia dah pandai jugalah. And I, I rasa I suka the way dan sebab kita tak realise kan. Mm-hmm. Uh, dalam seminggu tu, rupanya tiga hari kita pergi hospital. So, kadang-kadang ada hari tu, I have realised, kadang-kadang tak sempat kan. Bila pagi I boleh hantar dia before I bawa Abir ke hospital. So, sometimes hospital biasalah habis at 3. So, I have to rush from Ceras to get back to Bangi. So, kadang-kadang lambat ambil dia dekat sekolah. So, bila lambat tu, I suruh my friends ambil. Uh, so, sometimes dia suka. Sometimes dia tak suka sebab dia rasa macam tak ada mak. Maknya tak ada nak datang ambil dia. So, dia rasa macam oh, tak boleh. So, I I just make sure kalau I have I tak tak boleh reach the school by that time, I will cancel the appointment. <laughs> I, I pun dah macam, okay, this appointment tak penting sangat kan. I can I can shift to another another date. As Abir turns three this year, Izati recognizes that above all, she has to put herself and her own mental health first for the well-being of her daughter and her family. I think, um, memanglah selalu orang kan cakap kita, kita lah the one yang bersalah. <laughs> Ataupun mesti adalah orang, orang akan kata di belakang, mm-hmm. mesti mak dia macam ni, mesti macam ni, mesti macam tu. Uh, tak, pada pada I, no one dictate your happiness. 
tak ada siapa menentukan happiness you. You are the one. So macam memang kena deafening your ears lah. Macam pekatkan saja. Sebab I always say no one dictate my happiness. No one dictate my happiness. I pernah ada satu lady tu datang dekat stroller abir. Dah sekali tengok muka dia and then datang lagi macam <laughs> I could not swear to her kan. Tapi macam what is her problem? <laughs> I macam nak tengok sangat. Ha ambil lah tengok kan. Pasal I just said to myself, no one dictate my happiness. Yang tu saja my motto lah. Every, every day macam no one dictate my happiness. Suka hati awak lah. I'm happy with my child. Uh, tapi of course lah tipu lah kalau tak ada stress. I, I mean, I pun cuba untuk tidak anxious uh, dengan apa-apa. Uh, yang incoming kan bila I terima MRI, the latest MRI is last year. Uh, 10 page. <laughs> I macam, I don't want to read this. That's it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Masa tu juga lah, I kata to my friend that molecular geneticist, tak apalah, tak payah cakap. Tak payah cakap apa-apa. Macam tu je. I rasa macam, I have too much information pun tidak bagus untuk I. Walaupun uh, I have uh, the skill to do research, I don't want to do research on my child, on my daughter. I don't want, I don't want at all. Sebab dia akan ada expectation, dia akan ada hopes. Dan dia sebenarnya akan memberi impak yang tak baik pada anak itulah sebab you hope by this time dia akan macam ni, dia akan macam ni, dia akan macam ni. So I think itu saja. Tapi ada satu lagi yang kalau you rasa depressed as a mother, a bit rare disease kan, mm-hmm. memang you kena validate the, the emotion. Tapi jangan cari orang yang uh, sometimes positive thinking yang toxic positive. Tak boleh. Macam I jumpa mothers yang tak pernah kenal sebelum ni pun I rasa macam eh hey, I make new friends. And these friends have uh, the same background with me. Tak adalah kita nak isolate diri kita daripada kawan kita yang sekarang. Tidak. Sebab mereka pun ada. Dia lah mungkin mereka tidak ada awareness tu kan. Uh, dia tak tahu. Dia tak sepatutnya buat macam ni. Dia pun tak ada. Macam I pun I, I don't have the awareness. Or sepatutnya tak boleh cakap macam ni. Hmm. Rather than sakit apa kan. Kenapa lah itu soalan yang pertama. <laughs> Kenapa tak tanya nama apa anak ni kan. I macam. Kenapa lah tak tanya soalan tu. Tapi sekarang ni whenever I dah, I macam I tak kisah sebab my, my, my mood tu is no one dictate my happiness. So I bawa aja dia pergi mana-mana. I don't care. Uh, so I nampak lah dekat lift tu memang orang akan macam eh dua kali pandang dia kan. Most of the time sekarang I jumpa orang akan kata nama siapa. Dia tak tanya langsung the, the medication. So I rasa macam Malaysian are very good now. <laughs> kan, dia dah macam okay jangan tanya. Just tanya nama. Oh, umur berapa? Uh, that's it. Yang tu je, kalau I rasa I nak cerita, I will cerita. Sebab the cerita will be like 10, more than 10 minutes. You nak dengar ke? Uh, you, you just nak tahu kan? <laughs> Kita pun cakap, oh, dia tak sihat. Macam tu je lah kan? This is Because Feelings Matter, a series featuring personal stories of people and their mental health issues. If you missed any part of the show or if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can search for it on bfm.my on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.